That is the nature of God. We're looking for the spectacular. And yet, just like God coming to Elijah, speaking in the sound of sheer silence in a still small voice, that's often how God works as well. Not just in earthquakes and uh, in the, the fire, the earthquake and the wind. He also comes in the sound of sheer silence. Welcome to the Art of Holiness podcast, where we are creating conversations and communities that expose the kingdom of God. This is a New Room Network podcast. Here are your hosts, Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Holiness podcast. And it is one of my favorite weeks of all year long. It is Thanksgiving week, and uh, yes. which means probably a lot of you are in the car, on the airplane, trust or train, bus, something on your way, or you're preparing your house maybe for a guest or two or maybe 30, who knows. Um, I think there's a rush back to the table, which I'm excited about to share with family and friends. And uh, what better way to prep your conversation than for an Art of Holiness episode with Carolyn and myself. Yes. And uh, as I've so- said so often, Pierce, I think it's really <clears throat> awesome that our people listen to you and me while they are doing other things like cooking um, and setting the table, cleaning the house, cleaning the house. You're listening to us while you're cleaning the house. I count that as a means of grace. And uh, I I count it a means of grace that you finally realize who our people are. (laughs) Listen, I'm, I, we are recording this before you get here, but while they are listening to this, you are, you and Clamory and Emmy are at my house and our wonderful family tradition that has developed in the last few yes. years is finding some happy adventure for the, for the five of us to get into. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so we're in the middle of that right now. We are. We are. We are, as we're recording it, looking forward to it and in the moment, enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It this year it's going to be tour. It's going to be tour playgrounds this tour year. That's playgrounds. the adventure. Playgrounds. I love it. I love it. Well, I I cannot be more excited about this episode. We have saved this episode uh, for such a time as this, and uh, for maybe a good ride. And uh, I could, when we got ready for New Room, I was excited about a lot of people, but deeply excited and joyfully excited about having our conversation with Rich Philotus. Oh, me too. And Rich is someone I've followed on Twitter and, and really appreciated his work so much. Was very hopeful that we might be able to get him on this podcast. So grateful to be part of the New Room Network so that we could have the chance to talk with Rich Velotis. Uh, Rich was raised up under the ministry of Pete Scazzaro, another of my heroes. He is the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and other books by, by that same theme. If you don't know the emotionally healthy stuff, you need to go online and find it. It's just solid, solid, good material for uh, people in spiritual leadership. Um, Rich succeeded uh, Pete as the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship, which is a huge church with more than 75 countries represented in Elmhurst, Queens, New York. Um, just an amazing church. So that's where Rich is from, born and raised in Brooklyn. Uh, So he's uniquely gifted to lead this diverse community of faith. And his book, The Deeply Formed Life, which is what we'll be talking about a good bit today, is it leads us into the spiritual practices that help us live out some of the most controversial issues facing our culture. We are excited to unpack that book, to meet Rich 
and to have a good conversation. We look forward to talking to you on the other side. Start off, we've lost a lot this past year mm-hmm. in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. How can we take what we've learned from that loss and live from a different center as we pursue Christ and his holiness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think these moments uh, cause us to reframe mm-hmm. uh, what's critically important for our life in God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think, first of all, paying attention to the loss is really important to be recentered into whatever God has for us next. It's very right. easy for folks to just want to move on. Right. Right. Uh, but when you've experienced the level of loss that we have as a nation and in New York mm-hmm. city in particular, right. yeah. tremendous amounts of loss where yes. our congregation is a mile away from Elmhurst hospital, right. which was the epicenter of wow. the pandemic in March, April, May. Yes. And so it's very easy to want to just move on from the loss and let's take yeah. on the next mountain, what have you, as right. opposed to where do we need to sit mm. and learn and discern and grieve right. mm-hmm. uh, and then open ourselves up to, to whatever God has for us in the future. Mm-hmm. But I think part of that is not moving on too quickly, yes. which is part of our culture and a right. uh, trending topic culture in which we move on from one thing to the next very quickly. Yeah. How do we sit here and discern God's presence, even yes. in the midst of pain? Yeah. Yes. You talked about that a little bit today in your sermon, which was beautiful. The, the like want to jump in the recovery system from one to 12 <laughs> very <laughs> quickly. Just, and there's no lament. There's no steps. Yeah. And, yeah. Find and the, the sound bite. Use it. Tell right. everybody I'm fine. Yeah, and right. totally miss the 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 valley. You know, right. which is mm-hmm. you just can't miss the valley. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you you don't. It just won't go very deep. It won't take right. root. Mm-hmm. So that's that's huge. The, the you know the deeply formed life is about letting those roots go yeah. deep, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were talking uh, just a few minutes ago about holiness, and it's and and sort of the the. Um, the practices and the character traits of holiness. So talk yeah. about holiness and uh, yeah. what, it, what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. And I mean, how does that fit into your whole, you know, what you're doing where you are? Yeah. You know, my first conception of holiness was attending um, my grandparents' uh, Latino Pentecostal church in Brooklyn. Mm. <laughs> and so I saw... Yeah. Holiness, first of all, as the sacredness of God. That was my first mm-hmm. conception of it as a child. Like right. there's, there's something sacred here mm-hmm. that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, Isaiah uh, six. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. right. Um, I, I tend to think of holiness in a few ways. So, I mean, what first comes to mind is just the the total the otherness of God. First of all, that yeah. God is the incomprehensibility of God. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Kierkegaard's language, it's it's this infinite qualitative distinction between God and humanity. Like God is just totally other. Un, yeah. you, he does not fit into categories yeah. that uh, make our lives very easy to manipulate. And so on one level, holiness is just this otherness, this mm-hmm. you cannot put God in a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In another sense, holiness is not simply what you abstain from, is what you give yourself to. Right. Yes. And right. yes. it's often in many traditions that holiness is about stop doing this, stop doing that, right. as opposed to what do you give yourself to. And this is the story yeah. of Jesus in the Gospels, mm-hmm. where the religious leaders define holiness by abstaining. Yes. Right. And Jesus mm-hmm. redefined holiness by what he gave himself to. So he's touching lepers, right. everyone mm-hmm. who you should not be right. touching, mm-hmm. and offering wholeness and mm-hmm. life. Uh, but that's how I think of it. Beyond just it's it's the essence of who God is, that mm-hmm. God is other. Uh, it also means 
what am I going to give myself to mm. for the sake of love? Yeah. Right. That's how my how I think about holiness. Yeah, Beautiful. and I really like that you just you just use those two words in one sentence: um, life and holiness. Mm-hmm. Leviticus. Some people would argue is all about holiness. I would argue it's all about life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can look at Leviticus and just read the rules. You know, right. um, but Leviticus is calling us to wholeness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's th- no, actually, this is what it means to live, to really yeah. live. And so, you know, you're and as you know, Moses would have said, your choice, blessings or curses. Mm-hmm. But this is what it means to really live. Yeah. And I think that's what you are after in. Uh, some of those practices, you know, mm-hmm. so just the way you approach the deeply formed life. It's not just the practice. It's not even just the stuff. It's how you situate yourself mm-hmm. in the world, right? Mm-hmm. How you situate yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you had a tweet. I love following you on Twitter. You're a great follow <laughs> and very active in yeah. a good way, in a great way. Yeah. Uh, I I'm, test out a lot of my thoughts and sermons and all that on, on Twitter. On Twitter. So, right, yeah, right. It's experiment, uh, we're experimenting it's, it's a lot. A, it's a lot easier to do that on Twitter than it is on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't do it on Facebook. I don't test my ideas. <laughs> that's good. Well, you tweeted out the other day, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, this stopped me as I was scrolling, mm-hmm. the gifts of the Spirit are not meant to give us a shortcut to maturity. Yeah. One of the dangers in the church is we expect the gifts of the Spirit to quickly do what only the fruit of the Spirit is meant to do slowly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That stopped me. I'd, I'd love to know like where that came from, like what was happening in your day that like mm. that brought you to that moment to share you know, in that mm-hmm. space and, and what was your heart behind it? I, I think it came out of just a pastoral moment with someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone wanting a quick fix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And thinking, you know, what they're longing for was fruit from their lives, mm. a sense of perseverance, a mm-hmm. sense of gentleness. Mm-hmm. And they right. just wanted that immediacy of it. Can you just yeah. pray for me, Pastor, yes. and make this happen? Yes. And I'm thinking, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that easy. Yeah. Uh, and certainly the Lord can do supernatural things and the Lord has done supernatural things. Yeah. But the fruit of the Spirit grows slowly in the soil mm-hmm. of abiding prayer. Yeah. And it's that kind of slowness, this mm-hmm. slow unfolding of character. Yeah. Uh, that character is this lifelong unfolding of giving myself over and over again to Jesus mm-hmm. and yeah. allowing the Spirit to form the life of Christ in me. Yeah. That's a journey. That's a right. long journey. Yeah. Right. And so this is not like this zam bam thing is yes. going to happen right. here. It's this is the slow and every day in the words of Eugene Peterson, you know, it's, yeah. it's this long obedience, obedience. in the, the same, same direction. direction. Yeah. Yep. I'm going there. So, <laughs> yes. uh, so that's probably what was behind. Probably a pastoral yeah. moment of somebody wanting yeah. Yeah. a quick fix. Yeah. yeah. I remember from that perspective, this is what made me think of. I was a youth pastor for 12 years and I used to tell our kids like you can have a hot pocket in 12 seconds and you can eat it and you'll be hungry soon yeah. but there's nothing like coming home and your mom or dad has been cooking over the stove all day yes, yeah. you know yeah, or, right. or a good Thanksgiving meal as they say starts the day before Thanksgiving right, right. because it takes time mm-hmm. right. and the nutrition of it and, yeah. uh, and, the, and the flavor of it like yeah. real flavor yeah. um, or even it, just the difference between a hot pocket and a hand tossed pizza right <laughs> yes. 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 yes and as that's, a New Yorker I understand <laughs> so, that's right <laughs> I, that's two whole different worlds yeah. we're talking about right there that's right. Well, Rich, this is a, a funny thing. My my mom says, and I hope this isn't the only way she knows this. My mom says she knows that I'm saved because I read. Um, and as a kid, I did not read anything. You know what? You didn't even read when I first met you. Yeah, it's probably like, not. Yeah, bam, 12 years it ago. It just happened all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about 12 years ago. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I read ferociously, and, and, and I, love, I love reading. And so um, I'm a 
deep reader of a lot of variety of, uh, of topics. And, and so when I listen to you and when I own a podcast or on a message or, mm-hmm. or reading your book, I come away with like five or six more. My, my wife knows when I finished a book because then I, all the Amazon orders yeah. you know, come in. <laughs> and so I find this beauty in learning from our, our, our uh, mothers and fathers of the faith. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's just richness in there. There's so much that, that now because of the technology of just the written word and the print, mm-hmm. printing yeah. press, we can we can carry on the kingdom, yeah. on on top of the shoulders of others that come before yeah. us. So, love books, all that to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is this. I see this movement. I'm 32. I see this movement with in kind of people in ministry at my age, where they would rather get it out of a book than get it out of a, a, a someone that's gone before them face to face. From relationship. Uh, from relationship. Yeah. From in, yeah. like from real sit down over coffee. Yeah. Our relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, someone who reads a lot. You know, I also know that you you form deep relationships. So mm-hmm. just talk about the. I'd love to hear your perspective and, and thoughts on like the reaching out and seeking out mm-hmm. those that have come before you to pour into you. That has been my life. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine my life yeah. without a series of people who have, in a very slow, unhurried way, mm-hmm. poured into me. Yeah. It first started with my grandfather. My grandfather, I live in 362 Elton Street in Brooklyn. My grandfather yeah. lived in 406 Elton Street, so half a oh, block wow. up. Wow. And when I became a Christian, uh, 19 years old, uh, and um, my fr- grandfather was a uh, deep follower of Christ, I would go to his house down the block and say, Grandpa, you know, I, I, just, I was reading this Bible passage, mm, and yeah. I don't understand it. And uh-huh. he would say, why don't you sit down next to me? Wow. And my introduction to Christianity, after three days after I became a Christian, yeah. I spent the next eight months, four to five times a week, two to three hours each time. Oh, my wow. goodness. Shoulder to shoulder with my grandfather. Oh what a legacy. Goodness. And he was very ill, and yeah. he died in, in month eight, mm-hmm. April 16th, 1999. Wow. Uh, 2000, rather. And, um, but that was my introduction to Christianity. Wow. wow. Someone saying, yes. Sit with me. Yes. What questions are you holding? Mm-hmm. Let's sit in prayer. Yeah. Let's read the scriptures. Yeah. What is God saying wow. to you? That was my introduction. And then from that point on. You were truly I, apprenticed. I, absolutely. And not only yeah. by him, I had two aunts, Lydia and Minerva. Uh-huh. And Minerva lived, it was a two-family house. Minerva lived on the first floor. Lydia lived in the same house as my grandfather. Uh-huh. And yeah. I would go to them when my grandfather wasn't available with uh-huh. more questions. Uh-huh. And they would say, sit down. So yeah. those three, first of all, were wow. the first... Um, relationships that I had uh-huh. that deeply formed me yes. immediately. Yes, yeah. and then from that yeah. point on, I have pursued people like crazy. I'm yeah. 42. Yeah. yeah, I have pursued people yeah. nonstop. If I see yeah. like, wow, this person, there's a life that they, mm-hmm. I am going to do my best to try to get an hour, two yes. hours uh, with them. Uh-huh. So for me, it's. This, this is my ongoing practice. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, I think I'll be doing it. If I'm 70, I'm going to look for somebody right. who's, <laughs> 80. who's 80. Who, yeah. If I'm 80, who, is there any nine-year-olds in the house? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yes. going to keep looking. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you've had an amazing opportunity to be raised up under Pete Scazzaro. Yes. Which, which, what, I mean, just he's... He's the, you know, in the Webster's Dictionary under healthy yeah. leadership. He's yeah. the guy. Yeah. You know, lots of transparency there. Absolutely. Lots of, you know, good character, all the stuff. Yes. So. And, and spending, you know, uh, to this day, I mean, I, I just had a two-hour conversation with him on uh, this past Sunday. Uh-huh. A leisurely, unhurried, yeah. question, you know, where we're sharing life, asking questions. Wow. And um, so I'm always looking for 
yeah. other people who yes. I, I think can help me in my journey. I have yes. so many blind spots, I realize. Right. And right. Um, I, I want to glean as much as I can yeah. from That's men good. and women in the faith. Just the title of the first chapter mm-hmm. of your book is worth the price of the book. Contemplative Rhythms for an Exhausted Life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that speaks to something deep inside many of us, yeah. I think, and especially in the Christian leadership community right now. So how do we talk about contemplative rhythms so mm-hmm. they feed and restore us and don't come across as just being one more thing to do on top of a bunch of other to-dos? Yeah, yeah. It's so easy for that to happen. Right. right. Okay, here's just another seven practices that you have to do to slow your life down. Right, right. right. And it's like... It's a good blog post. It, it is a great <laughs> blog post. And, oh, no, it's like seven yeah. things you have to do yes. or you will die. Yeah. Seven things you have to do or your church will implode. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the way they do it. Right. You know, yeah. They just feed the... It feeds... Yeah. Even the title feeds the yes. anxiety. Yes. Right. So. Part of, I think, yeah. of the contemplative tradition and contemplative rhythms uh, behind it is the theology of limits. Mm-hmm. And limits essentially says there's only so much that I can do physically, financially, mm. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And so contemplative rhythms is not so much, let's add these seven, eight things you need to do. I think it first begins with, what do you need to let go? Right. Yes. Right. Uh, what do you need to surrender? Yes. Uh, what do you need to detach mm. from? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where contemplative rhythms begin, as yes. opposed to here, seven practices. It's my life is already very full. And listen, I live in New York, the city that never sleeps. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But this is not just a New York problem. Right. Yes. I think New York has exported yeah. the, right. the pace, the, the fullness of life. Yeah. And so contemplative rhythms is, which is why Sabbath, for example, mm. right. is such a core aspect of contemplative rhythms because it's not necessarily I'm adding something to my life. It's saying for a 24-hour period, I am saying no to the ways of performance and production and efficiency and action. And I'm going to give myself to resting Mm -hmm. and delighting and Mm -hmm. contemplating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So... Uh, contemplate. We, I mean, we can talk about the various practices, but at its core, it's not about adding practices. It's about discerning my limits, yeah. saying yes to God's invitation, to the light and easy yoke that Jesus has. My burden right. is easy. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's the core of contemplative rhythms. Right. Yes. And so it needs to be framed that way because if not, you can do contemplative rhythms in a way that exhausts you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I, think, I think for me, growing up in the church and then leaving the church and coming back and, and the whole story is like, coming back if i'm honest i don't even know if i would say i, I it was subconscious i would say it was conscious it was god delighted in my work for him and then delighted in me mm-hmm. that's the way you saw it that's yeah. the way i saw yeah. it yeah. yeah and and it wasn't until some of these contemplative practices began to sit in them and and, and make them not just a not just i went to a conference and i heard the speaker so i did it that friday and yeah. then i yeah. quit doing it <laughs> yeah. but as a rhythm yeah. began to go no 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 wait like no like god delights in me like right. The understanding right. of the belovedness right. of, of mm-hmm. a son and as a daughter to right. him. Right. And, you know, I don't think I'd have gotten there mm-hmm. without those practices, which yeah. were, were so life-giving. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the practice for you? Like, what's the one, okay, I do some things, but this is the one. Yeah. It, it, for me, it, it's, it's contemplative prayer. Uh-huh. And by contemplative prayer, this is what I mean. Uh-huh. I, am tr- I am by the power of the Spirit attempting to be present to the presence of God. Now that sounds like, yes. okay, that, that sounds wonderful and flowery, yeah. but essentially for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in a given 
part of the day, mm-hmm. I am essentially saying, Jesus, I want to be present to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I set my timer. Uh-huh. 10 minutes. Yeah. If I want to get ambitious, 20. Yeah. I once did 30 minutes of this. I thought I was going to die. You know? <laughs> and, uh, just like, like, I'm not trying to get anything from God. Right. Right. I'm not, I'm not reducing prayer to transactionalism. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I want to just be attentive to God's presence. Yes. And so for me, it's, okay, I'm hoping, holding my hands out like this. Yeah. And then when my mind gets distracted, as it inevitably does, yeah. I come back to this very simple phrase, mm-hmm. Jesus, uh-huh. here I am. Yeah, right. that's good. That's my daily practice. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's other stuff that I do and journaling right. and intercession and all the rest yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah. that's kind of like my, okay, I need to breathe now and mm-hmm. attend to the presence of God mm-hmm. yeah. who is closer to me than I am to myself, mm-hmm. what St. Augustine said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, that's that's my go-to that's good. spiritual practice to yeah. keep yeah. me anchored. Yeah, and I love I love in your book you talk about like you're real honest and you talk about like you're at a monastery and yeah. it was like one of the first times you yes. did it and yeah. you like slept for thirty minutes on the altar. Is that oh, right? Oh yeah, on, on the Eucharist table. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> thankfully, uh, a Franciscan monk didn't pass by and see me sleeping on there. But that my first encounter with that kind of level of silence was yeah. right. very disorienting and boring right. and. So there was nothing spectacular about it. Yeah. But I, I do think that is the nature of God. We're looking for the spectacular. Mm. And yet, right. just like Elijah, God coming to Elijah, speaking in the sound of sheer silence and a still small yeah. voice, yeah. Yeah. that's often how God works as well. Not just in earthquakes and in, yes. uh, right. in, the, in the fire, the earthquake and the wind. He right. also right. comes in the sound of sheer silence. Yeah, right. That's beautiful. Right. The second practice in your book is on racial, racial reconciliation. Yeah. And I'm interested. In, I'm interested to notice that you emphasize the term reconciliation rather than justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, is that intentional? And if so, uh, what's the difference, and why is that different? In I'll tell you. It's a great question. No one's asked me this question. Uh, I have a lot of ambivalence with the phrase reconciliation, with the term reconciliation, uh, because of how it's used in okay. most circles. Uh, and reconciliation is often used as aesthetic diversity, mm-hmm. as just getting a bunch of different people in the room uh-huh. and that's way too weak of a word mm-hmm. or a way of understanding it. Uh-huh. So the reason, first of all, justice, however, I didn't think I was going to do the chapter justice yeah. by talking about justice because I think that's, it was too weighty for mm-hmm. me to yeah. address. So what I typically do is say racial justice and reconciliation. That's how okay. I typically hold okay. that uh-huh. category together. Uh-huh. So, um, but the reason I put it in there, I'm not opposed to using the word obviously because I right. put it in there, right. but I do have, some ambivalence because it's typically, mm. hey, let's just get a bunch of different people in the room yeah. uh, as opposed to how do we really think about union in Christ right. and right. unity in, in the most healthiest sense of the word. Well, I want to commend you for the use of the word because it's biblical. Absolutely. You know, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's exactly, yes. Yep. And yes. when we think of it in that way, you know, as reconciliation in the mm-hmm. same way that we've been reconciled to God through yes. Christ. yes. Now you're bringing in grace yes. and sacrifice, yes. which is really different than, to me, than mm. the contemporary sound of the word justice, yes. which is I want mine. Yeah. You yeah. know, everybody's got to get theirs. Yes. Reconciliation right. is more of a yeah. self-giving term. Yeah. So yeah. I want it's, to. Yeah, it's often marked by retribution right. instead of restoration right. and all the rest right. of it. Right, 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 right. So I commend you for the use yeah. of that yeah. term. I, 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 but I do it with ambivalence because right. of the way it's used culturally in our right. society. Right. Yeah. Not you're, theologically, but culturally. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you're, re, you're, you're rebranding it in yeah. a sense. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you, you shared, like, in a clip I saw yesterday, I think it was, I mean, it was just the other day, after we wrote these questions, mm-hmm. um, you had celebrated you know, the, the birthday of the church, 
and everything. Mm-hmm. And you, your church has 75 nations, mm-hmm. you know, and, <laughs> and I love what, I mean, this is side conversation after side conversation. You know, you talk <laughs> about how like when something happens in the world, new life feels it. Oh yes. Yeah. And so, but you stood up in front of your congregation. We're not trying to be diverse to be diverse. Yes. Yeah. But we're but we're on a on a form and a place toward unity and love. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Uh, talk, just share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, people come to our congregation often because they love how diverse it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, seventy five nations represented, one hundred and twenty three languages spoken in the nearby hospital, and not just ethnic and racial diversity, generational diversity, socioeconomic right. diversity, right. all kinds of diversity. So people are like, "Wow, this is heaven." Yeah, yeah. and but what that often <laughs> Tends to what tends to happen is they get very content just worshiping on a Sunday mm. with people who are different from them. To mm-hmm. which I talk about, you know, we're not just here for diversity, right. because there are plenty of places that are diverse mm-hmm. that are yeah. not bearing witness to the kingdom. Right. For example, malls are divor- uh, are diverse. Right. Uh, stadiums are diverse. Yeah. Subway cars are diverse. Yeah. And so yeah. what I use, you know, we're more than just a sanctified subway car. Right. Yeah. We're called to bear witness to something of the kingdom of God. Love, yes. solidarity, yes. reconciliation, justice. Yes. We're not just here to be shoulder to shoulder lifting our hands in worship. We're here to be involved right. in each other's lives yes. and promoting a kind of wholeness yes. across racial, ethnic, barriers mm. that are often erected in our world so beautiful and i can imagine that in a church with that much diversity uh leadership is interesting mm-hmm. because- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah very complicated <laughs> yeah. because because it's one thing you know to just all okay we're all going to agree to this common form of worship or whatever yeah. it's an, or, or even or even look we're all going to bring it all in the room everybody's happy but man yeah. you put them in a room together with a different cultural Sort of approaches to conversation and conflict. so many dynamics, oh so many nuances, my. so many disappointed people. Oh my! <laughs> uh, every, for example, every Christmas or so, we have scripture readings in various languages. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and inevitably somebody you comes up somebody to me and out. says, "When's my language going to be <laughs> read in the scriptures?" And I'm thinking, "Well, we have 75 2026. That's when your language is up to be." Uh, so uh, not everyone's going to be happy. It's yeah. a very uh, delicate. Yes. That level of diversity is very delicate. Right. Because mm-hmm. people want to be seen. People want mm-hmm. their stories to be highlighted. Right. And when right. you have that level of diversity, it's really hard to accommodate right. and highlight as many people as we can or as right. we want. Yeah. 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 So the, the, you talk about interior examination mm-hmm. for a world living on the surface. We already talked a little bit about contemplation yeah. um, and contemplative prayer. But I like the way you phrase it as interior examination for the sake of loving others well. Mm-hmm. That, that gets at the difference between what you're after and the kind of navel gazing, mm-hmm. you know, that too many of us are guilty of. And in the name of Jesus, you know, yeah. I'm just going to spend a lot of time thinking about me yes. <laughs> right. in the name of Jesus. Right. <laughs> um, and it, it ends there. Right. That's yes. right. I want my healing. Yeah. Yeah. I want my Bible study. Yes. It's a, you know, I want the buffet for me. And here's my Enneagram number. And here's my Enneagram <laughs> number. That's right. Here's my Enneagram which number. I have, which I have Googled ad nauseum, yeah. right? Yeah. So how does looking inward help us love others better and mm-hmm. is love always the aim mm. uh i'll start with the end i think love is always the aim yes. I, I think the, the the great commandment is you know loving god with our heart soul mind and strength and our neighbor as ourselves and yeah. so I, I always think love is the aim yeah when i think about interior examination i think of it in three ways one is about 
it's about integrity. Mm. Meaning the way I define integrity is not integrity is not about living something perfectly, mm-hmm. but wrestling with something faithfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. in interior examination, I'm wrestling yes. with what's happening on yes. the inside. So yes. that's first. Secondly, it's about integration. In- mm-hmm. Interior examination is about integration. It's about me being honest mm-hmm. with, with what's happening on the inside mm-hmm. and listening to the Holy Spirit, yeah. discerning God's will mm-hmm. through what's happening on the inside. And so it means an integration of my grief, an integration of my anger, integration of my anxiety, my joy, mm-hmm. and saying, how do these things lead me mm-hmm. into greater union with God mm-hmm. for the sake of love. It's often the case that some of these things are so compartmentalized and cut off from our spiritual life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we don't give ourselves permission to be angry. We don't. We come from families that didn't allow us to be sad. And instead of like what the Psalms do, this we, right. we, we see in the Psalms integration. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, how long? Yes. You know, and some other crazy stuff in the Psalms. Right. Like giving, yes. <laughs> giving expression to their anger yes. and right. their grief. And so it's about integration. And then thirdly, it's about intimacy. And by intimacy, mm-hmm. I mean a love. Yeah. I, I'm looking within for the sake of love. I'm not just here to grow in greater self-awareness and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, right. I, I want to look within, Lord, where are where is the the flow of love being blocked between you and me and right. between me and my neighbor? Right. Yeah. And so help me. You know, when David talks about in Psalm 139, search me, O God, see if there's any uh, one way of, way of pain in me. That's one translation yeah. of it. And lead me in the way everlasting. You know, lead me in the way everlasting. I, I want to be set on a particular trajectory mm-hmm. yes. in my life. Yes. The yes. everlasting way, yes. which is marked by life and love yep. and yes. joy. Yes. David just didn't want self-awareness yeah he wanted the way everlasting that's right Right. and that's the goal of interior examination as i like to think of it yeah so what you're really talking about interior examination as as both loving a a way of uh loving other people Mm -hmm. because i present in a more healthy way and as a way of becoming more emotionally healthy that's right right? absolutely it's it's the degree to which i'm able to wrestle with what's happening in my interior is often the degree to which I can attune and be yes. present to someone else. Yes. And right. so if I've not wrestled with my own grief, right. Right. whenever I see someone else grieving, right. I, it's going to be really hard for me to be an incarnational loving presence in their right. lives right. because I have so marginalized grief mm, right. in yes. my own life. Yes. Same thing with anger or, yeah. or right. anxiety. If I, if, if I don't get in touch with my fears mm. when I see someone else, I'm either going to try to fix them, I'm going to ignore right. them as opposed right. to... Right. I know what it's like mm-hmm. to have anxiety. Right. You must be so afraid. Yeah. Can I be present to you? That's yeah. yes. that's yeah. interior examination, yeah. not just for my own again self-awareness but for the sake of love. Right. And what you what you just did right there is the difference between empathy and projecting, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> the other yes. the, the, the unhealthy approach is I project all of my feelings onto you that's right. and all of the stuff I needed you I need you to do because I did it, you know, and right. man, that's, but that's not healthy either. Nobody's yeah. helped by no, that. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you just said was like in that is rooted in that is intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. And so like going back to like you talked about your contemplative practices and just being with God, like not having to do anything, just being present with God. Like the fact that you like, that is a sign of intimacy. Like, you know, we've been married for eight, me and my wife been married for eight years. You know, we don't have to, and I know I'm the young one at the table, right. (laughs) But we don't have to like get in the car and talk all the time. We can, we can just be together. There's, there's a deeper intimacy Mm -hmm. there. 
And and in that silence, she will say sometimes, hey, have you thought about this? Yeah. Do you realize you're, do-, you know, and the Holy Spirit does that mm-hmm. in those moments of being with him. Yeah. And so now because you've been intimate mm-hmm. with him, because we've done that, now we're loving ourselves as God has loved us, working, being sanctified, but also be able to love our neighbor. That's exactly Because right. of that. That's just yeah, beautiful. Just wonderful, yeah. circular. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, You've learned uh, the principles of emotional, healthy spirituality from the best of the best as we've talked about. And I hear a lot of your own pastor in these chapters. Uh, what are touch points of that interior examination that lead to emotional health? Yeah, um, th- there's one way that we think about, you know, my predecessor um, spent a lot of time. He got his doctorate in family systems theory with a mm-hmm. focus on the genogram in mm-hmm. which we're looking at the ways that our previous generations have yeah. shaped us right mm-hmm. and what are the patterns what is the trauma <laughs> or how our family screws us up right, right. That, that's right. <laughs> which we say jesus might live in your heart but grandpa lives in your bones and that means that for positive there's positive legacies that are handed down right. and then there's plenty of negative legacies yeah, that are handed right, down from right, one generation right. to the next right. and so the interior life is ex- examining what have i received mm. uh what are the patterns the the uh, observable behaviors that are often repeated from one generation to the next. What are the, the, the trauma, the things that didn't, that happened that should not have happened? What mm-hmm. are the things that didn't happen that should have happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the, the scripts, the internalized messages mm-hmm. yeah. that I carry that's so deep in my soul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we spend a lot of time navigating that space there in our yeah. discipleship practice with our congregation. Right. But moreover, it is kind of like the exploring the iceberg the iceberg is the church logo of our church you know it's our church mm-hmm. logo yeah. mm-hmm. there's no icebergs in queens yeah. but it's like <laughs> but this is where we are it's yeah. it, it's it's i'm looking beneath the surface trying to identify what are how is god moving in my those difficult spaces of anger yeah. and sadness mm-hmm. and anxiety mm-hmm. yeah. and attending to those things not ignoring it in the name of jesus or in mm-hmm. the name of philippians 4 4 rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice mm-hmm. you know there's a book called lamentations right. as well. Yes. right and so is it right. rejoice or is it lament the answer yes. is yes yes, yes. That's right. <laughs> we're that's trying to right. hold these right. things together right yes. so i've learned from him just you know family of origin mm-hmm. um the integration of the very difficult emotions that often surface in our lives or, or lay lurking um yeah those are a few things that come to mind that i've tried to build on mm. that's really good yeah. and yeah. those are things that you can do you mm-hmm. know and and i mean a genogram anybody can build that yeah. you just yeah. you just start just start with your own your own generation yeah line those people out then go up one line those people out go up one line those people mm-hmm. out and then just start kind of making notes about each of those people, everything yeah. you know about them. And and if you'll give it time, yes. you will find patterns. Seems to be Absolutely a thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely right. What are the right. themes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What are the patterns? Right. And then what we get is again, what are what are those internal scripts right mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that those patterns and themes have right. so formed in us. Right. right. That the gospel needs to break that the yes. spirit of god right. needs to now 
yeah. interject and give right. us a new set of scripts and a new right. set of messages. Yeah, right. Um, so That's the deconstruction where what we wish people would get yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. We were talking <laughs> rather yeah, than we're, just deconstructing yeah. their way out of church. Yeah, and back to the you right. Know, yeah, deconstruct That's yourself into hel- into wholeness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice subtitle for a book, I think. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Deconstruct yourself into wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. There you, there go. you go. One of y'all can take that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a co-author. Yeah. 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 There you go. I got the I got the subtitle. Yeah. You get the title. Yeah. There we go. There we go. There you go. Hey, I'd love to circle as we kind of finish and wrap up. We got about ten minutes. Um, I want to circle back to your granddad, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I want to in in light of your kids as well. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, your granddad. I'm guessing didn't get to meet your kids, mm-hmm. um, right? And and so, what's something or a few things uh, mm. that that your granddad imparted in you, uh, put roots in you, that as your as your kids are being raised, that you want to impart into them? Mm, that's mm. a good question. That's a beautiful question. And anytime I can talk about my grandfather Marcus, um, uh, I it, it gives me great joy. Yeah. When I look at my grandfather. Um, Number one, he was a man of deep prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember. Do you know where you got that from? You know, I, I, he, he was um, probably before he came to Christ, he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and his life was, you know, very difficult life. Mm-hmm. Came to, from, to New York from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and um, just had a difficult transition there mm-hmm. and went to alcohol. And the Lord met him. Mm-hmm. And then I think just being part of this Pentecostal tradition mm-hmm. in Brooklyn that emphasized not just prayer in the sense of, you know, we're going to pray for people and healing, which we did. And right. Which we, but there was a sense of the stillness of prayer. So I would follow him. I would walk with him to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would go into the church on a prayer meeting, what have you. And he would get on his knees in the pew mm-hmm. and put his head down and pray. And yeah. I, so I saw him doing it. So I did the same thing. Yeah. So I get on my knees and, you know, after five minutes, I'm thinking, I think I'm done. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. and I look over and he's still there. And so I feel really bad getting up before he got up. Yeah. yeah. So I'd be there for like 30 minutes and I'm not praying anymore. I'm just, yeah. you know, but on my knees, Counting, you know, just like, when, when is this guy going to get up? <laughs> so there was just a, a, such a hunger for God. Yeah. Um, there was a hunger for the scriptures as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, ate the scriptures yeah. and 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 there was a tenderness as well to him mm-hmm. uh that um his his warm embrace his words of affirmation yeah. that he spoke over his grandchildren over me um those are some of the things that i've tried to uh continue to nurture in my own life because i've right. seen it in him right uh and what's strange, what's not strange, but what's interesting is, again, he grew up half a block from me, but it was prior to that eight month period where I sat shoulder to shoulder with him. Yeah. The vast majority of my conversations were I walk into his bedroom or I see him, give him a kiss on the cheek, say, hi, grandpa. Right. He's watching the Mets play or a boxing match. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I talk to him for two minutes right. and then I go about my business. So yeah. I never really knew him until yes. that, that eight month period wow. yeah. where we sat four to five days a week, two to three hours each time. Wow. So I've tried to nurture... Uh, that hunger for prayer and scripture and tenderness and words of affirmation yeah. that I received from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is well beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and uh, so you're you're passing that down to mm-hmm. your children. Yeah, yeah. And what are you learning from your children? Oh my goodness! A couple of things that I'm not in control. That's the first thing. <laughs> I have a twelve year old and a seven year old. 
<laughs> I'm not in control. What I've learned about my children, with both of them actually, yeah. my children have taught me to be human. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We gave our children the language of anger, the whole the stuff I'm talking about, grief, right. anger, right. at a very young age. Uh-huh. Right. So they've so they have no problem sharing their grief. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sharing their anger, mm-hmm. their anxiety yeah. with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to hear that anger yeah. and yeah. that grief. Uh, yeah. My son Nathan, mm. he is in touch with every emotion. Mm. Every, I mean, everyone. And so he, <laughs> and he feels passionately. Yes. And so if he's angry, you're going to feel the anger. Yeah. If he's sad, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, the tears flow so effortlessly. I'm like, how does he? he I, I pray. <laughs> I mean, I, he might be a good actor going forward. That might it, it, it flow. Effort. And there are times when I'm just like, suck it up, man. Come on. <laughs> and and he, this is what he said to me. Can you just let me cry? You yeah. know, oh, <laughs> wow. that's good. Said, yeah. Can you just let me cry? Let me right. see in it. You know what right. I mean? And yeah. and I go, wow. He he's teaching me yeah. how to be human here. Yeah. Uh, just to let him sit in that. So right. Uh, my my, I think that's the, the highest compliment I can pay to my children. They're they're teaching me how to be human. That's mm. really good. Yeah. So I want to back up and just ask a question about um, New York. Yeah. This has been, man, it's been hard on New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like when you you know you're living there one day and the next day you've moved out and you you know you don't know if you can come back or not. All that stuff is going on in New York, right? Yeah. Yep. And still probably yep. lots of. Um, just lots of uncertainty and lots of imbalance. So tell me about the Christian community in New York and how you guys have supported each other, how you guys have, um, and what you see moving forward in a city that size. Mm. Yeah, you know, what was interesting is much of the, the church was most impacted, I think, in Manhattan because it's so transient. Right. In Queens, you know, Yeah. People live in, who are living in Queens live in Queens. Right, right. Manhattan, right. they're coming from all parts of right. the country. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that's borough specific. Manhattan was really impacted, whereas yeah. the rest of the boroughs, we did not lose as generational, many people. generational. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's one. What I have loved over, I'd say the last few decades, the Lord has knit pastors together in mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. in ways that seems really uncommon. It feels it to me. Yeah. Like I mean, y'all all yeah. know each other. That's absolutely right. Yeah. We, yeah. we are so, I mean, um, I think of people like Mac Peer who led concerts of prayer and mm-hmm. connected many pastors. I think of a friend like uh, a guy named Drew Hyun who was a pastor with me at New Life before he mm-hmm. started a number of churches in throughout New York City. And so part of what we saw was at the height of the pandemic, April, May, June, first of all, pastors were gathering monthly to mm-hmm. pray, mm-hmm. to discern mm-hmm. best practices. What's what's the Lord saying? What are the stories? Mm-hmm. Where right. where do we see the Holy Spirit at work in the right. midst of all of this disorientation? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have, I think, drawn real close to each other. Mm-hmm. Which right. I don't. I've I've talked to someone in different cities. This is not the norm. No, it's not. Right. Pastors so no, it's not connected with one another. Right. So that's been a gift, and yeah. I think I, I I praise God for the older statesmen in our in our city mm-hmm. who have yeah. sowed the seeds of that level of unity yeah. and connection right. and collaboration. Right. Uh, and certainly there's some turf wars and people, this territorialism can, 
happen in our big city, 8 million people. Right. Uh, and just naturally, there's rivalries between boroughs. I mean, I'm a, okay. I'm a Mets fan. I don't like the That's Yankees. It. You know, right. these things happen. Right. right. Um, but what I've seen is this level of collaboration, yeah. partnership, sharing resources. Yeah. yeah. And... What I, I mean, that's what I continue to see in the future of yeah. the church right. in our city that has been so impacted by yeah. this pandemic, uh, continuing that innovative, collaborative partnership in the gospel. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, those are some things that come to yeah. mind. You really, you guys really do have something to teach the rest of mm, us. You do. I mean, and so much. And of course, in my tradition, there's, um, we're, you know, we're kind of exploding anyway. Mm. Um, but, uh but there's a you just feel a sort of competitiveness under the surface. Yeah. And so the first the first uh, New York pastor I met and had the chance to talk mm. to um, is it, was Madeline Henners. Uh, oh no, it wasn't Madeline. No, it no. was. Um, we'll think about it. But Dimitra Barrios. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She and I talked, and um, and she had just preached at somebody like a big church. Tyson. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. Like John. Yeah. yeah. John Tyson's church. Yeah. Big church and um and, and 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 then I just began to hear there was somebody else that we met and 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 just just the sweet mm-hmm. fellowship and and encouragement yeah it was like I don't see that <laughs> I don't see that in my own tradition much less my own community yeah. and yeah so you guys really do have something yeah. to teach us and I hope you will hold that yeah very very tenderly it's been it's one of the great thing. gifts yeah. that has yeah. come out of this the unity between churches mm-hmm. and yeah. pastors in our yeah. city yeah I love that well thank yeah. you for being with us yeah, yeah. We've, I, I'm taking so much away you know I love I mean I'm gonna think about this for a while those conversations with your granddad mm-hmm. I can't really get away from them if I'm yeah. honest and you know I, I had the opportunity to interview a, a professor of, of, of theology from Vanderbilt a few weeks ago and and she just wrote a book on um, the hard sayings of Jesus. Mm. And, and, and one of the things that she talked about was she talked about like the Jewish community knows how to wrestle because mm. mm-hmm. they know God's not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And Christianity today, not the magazine, yeah. but, but <laughs> Christianity today, like so often we just want to give the answer. We don't want to wrestle with yeah. it because yeah. we're in fear of, of being let go or being cut off right. for all that. Right. And so to have that gift of like, not just like the wisdom and the teaching, but the wrestling with the mm-hmm. Jacob wrestling, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Right. Mindset. Um, you yeah. started good, my friend. Yes. Right. I could not have asked for a better start to my yeah. journey, right. and which makes me hungry yes. to pass that on to people. Exactly. I see these new Christians. I hear that in your, hear that like, your conversation with yeah. your son. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah for I sure. mean, part of the reason we started a school of formation at New Life to serve pastors and leaders around the country mm-hmm. is because we want to do, as, especially young leaders, yeah. we want to do as much as we can to get them right off on the right foot right with a strong foundation right. holding right. on to the riches of the global church like we yes. heard about this morning and right all of that there so right but yeah that's right beautiful. and that desire to or that commitment that commitment to speak into a younger person and especially a much younger person and especially especially someone who is young in the faith yeah. it's it you necessarily have to move slower yeah. Mm. Because, right. you know, a 21-year-old is going to make more mistakes yes. than a 35-year-old yeah. or a 45-year-old. And someone who's new to the, you, you know, <laughs> I yeah. heard somebody say one time, you know, you, we should lock new Christians in a closet until they're two, you know, till they've been <laughs> Christians for two years. Because the first two years, you know, just, you know, everything, uh, yeah, you know, right. but, but, but 
that's a that really just rubs against the mm-hmm. culture of Christianity or the mm-hmm. the culture of professional church. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. that we want the best we can get. Yeah. Uh, we want we want we want them to be seasoned with wisdom, but young. Right. We want them to be, <laughs> we want them to be hip, but you know, generic enough to fit everybody's right, taste. Right. We want you know. Yeah. That's asking stuff that the church doesn't. I don't think Jesus asks it. Right. Jesus, Jesus starts at thirty. Right. Jesus, yeah. Right. Jesus picked yeah. up a f- bunch of really rough guys. Yeah. Yeah. Just walked with them. That's right. Yeah. Just That's walked exactly with right. them. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your faithfulness, yes. your obedience, mm. um, in the in the yeah. Word, in the Lord, in the Spirit, yeah. and uh, we are are receiving the fruit of that. Uh, through your books, through your preaching, yeah. being with us. Yeah. Yep. So thankful that you're with us. Well, thanks yeah. for Thank the invitation you. and yes. your warm hospitality. has been yeah. a gift for me. There's so much to unpack from that conversation. Obviously, it is one that I've had the joy, all of our podcasts, but I've had the joy of listening to this one a few times and myself and taking mm-hmm. notes and and, and just reflecting all the way across of it. And one of the things I love is, you know, we talk about practical holiness, we talk about supernatural ministry, and we talk about intergenerational encouragement. And I cannot get away from the conversations that we talked about in the podcast around him and his granddad, him going to his granddad's bedside table or bed, bed yeah. sitting down, being taught the scriptures, being taught the word. Yeah. I mean, also, how crazy is it that his whole family gets saved on one night? You know, just like, just, <laughs> what, the, just what a story to be like. I right. went to church and then my whole family came to church and everyone got saved that night. And right. uh, man, the grace of God right. and the favor of God on, on his family in that moment, in that time, and it yes. obviously continues to be there. Uh, but I yeah. love the stories of him and his granddad. And and as we, yeah. it's one of the things I've been thinking about, as we gather around tables this week and yes. in, the, in the next month and a half, really, as we become way more intentional about gathering together, how do we yes. make everything from the conversation mm-hmm. around the dinner table to the cleaning up while we do dishes to the sitting yeah. on, the, on, the, on the bedside of a grandparent, how do we make all of those moments holy? Right. Such a good question. Such a good question. And I think it, 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 it kind of wraps around for me that chapter in his book on uh, that. He, he's the title of it. We mentioned it in the podcast, contemplative rhythms for an exhausted life. Um, I think by the time we get to Thanksgiving, it's just easy to, it's first to overperform because, you know, the family's coming or, you know, you're just trying to check all the boxes and get it all done. And so we tend to overperform um, and underrelate. Um, we squander the opportunities we have to be in each other's presence, just to be, you know, just to be. Um, but, but also just by the time you get to November, you're, we're just done. We're, we're just done. Schools wrapping up projects are due. People are stressed so how can you build healthy rhythms into not just this week that we're in, but the year that, that's in front of you, the rest of 2021? How can you build spiritual rhythms, intentional spiritual rhythms and tables yeah. into the year that's in front of you so that you are working from a place of intentionality and rhythm and uh, care for the, for the other? 
Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell us this. I've got two things. I want to highlight something your church just did. And we've never done this. Mm-hmm. We don't really talk too much about like what our churches are doing. We kind of separate that mm-hmm. in this podcast. Uh, but I want to bring up both of our churches in this conversation. I want, to, I, want, I want our people to hear kind of talk about being intentional around a table, how your church mm-hmm. community was just intentional around a table and the fruit you've seen from yeah. that. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing. We just, we signed up every single person who was willing anyway, and it ended up being just about everybody. Um, every single person in our church was invited to sign up to go to someone's table for lunch after worship on a Sunday that we had communion. So it was almost like communion in two halves. Mm. Um, and we, the, the idea somehow was inspired by John Mark Comer's uh, book, The Ruthless, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and you introduced me to that book. So um, this was just kind of a journey we took as you and I were talking together about this. Um, and everybody went. We, we, had, we had communion at church. We had a, a service that really looked. We, because communion has been redefined so yeah. much during COVID, and we've, we've gotten way too practical with it. We've forgotten the why. So we spent several weeks talking about communion really talked about the table on the Sunday that we um, shared in communion together, that, that everybody went off then after that to lunch at somebody's house, just six or eight people at each of those host homes. And um, and we let them just, just share stories, just talk, just be with each other. And it was a great Sunday. I've not had, I, we've just not had an event like that where people were so happy to be there so happy to be part of it and we we feel like we developed friendships that sunday that we could mm. never have developed if we, even if we'd had one big event in the church right we would not have seen the same friendships develop and so and so and i'll finish with this just december 12th will be the next sunday that we offer communion and uh, so we've already started talking about um the church this time will not organize host homes but we're, we're just going to tell people all right pick Put December 12th on your calendar. Whose table will you be at after church it. on Sunday? I love somebody's, it. Either people will be at your table or you'll be at somebody's table on December 12th. And we're inviting people to self-organize. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love tell that. Us about the, tell us about the thing that's going on in your church. Yeah. So we were just thinking through a few months ago as we got ready, as we were planning ahead and stuff like that. So back in August and mm-hmm. September, we were talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and so we created, it really was, uh, one of my other pastors, Angela Reese, who I am a huge fan of and think the world of, she's incredible on our team and just in general. And so she came up with this idea of kind of a digital download for all of Thanksgiving. And so we know people are traveling, we're getting back around tables, we're doing those things. And so we wanted to provide something for people. And so on our website, and I'll give you the link here in a second, there's like a gratitude scavenger hunt. There's outreach suggestions. There's coloring pages and placemats for kids. There's prayers for your Thanksgiving table. There's conversational and journal prompts. Uh, There is a worship playlist that's around gratitude and and Thanksgiving. And then Uh there is a gratitude walk. And so uh, one of our spiritual directors recorded like a 12 minute gratitude walk that you can go with your family and go on a walk. And there's also like a a devotional on there. And so you can find all of that. um, This is a shameless plug, but you can find all of that at prov, P-R-O-V dot church 
slash thanksgiving. So prov.church slash thanksgiving. And you can download all of those things to, to be intentional around the table and around however you're gathering uh, this year. And so we're really excited about offering that to not just our church, but to the to the wider body as well. That is a great idea. So what a good resource. The whole, I think the, the theme we're kind of pulling out of this out of this episode is just um, the conversation, you know, yeah, yeah, the importance of the conversation from Rich sitting on the edge of his bed with his yeah. grandfather uh, uh, week after week, listening to his granddad disciple him. It's just, it was just sitting on the edge of a bed. That's yeah. what it was. That's right. Um, That's right. To, to sitting at the table with your family, uh, being intentional about inviting someone into your space yeah. And having a conversation that doesn't cost anything. It doesn't require anything big. You don't have, it does not have to be a production. Right. Um, and you know what, if the corners of your house are not clean, who cares? <laughs> COVID yeah. people get over it and have some, have somebody over, have a good conversation. And um, we just hope you guys have an, a great Thanksgiving, get a little time to rest, rejuvenate, um, and uh, thanks for letting us be a part of it. We are so grateful for you and grateful uh, uh, above all to the body of Christ that draws us together and to the God who, uh, who, who always invites us to his banqueting table. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.